1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance of the USA Wealth Group. It's time to get your finances in order. MoneyWise starts now. And good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome again to MoneyWise. We're so happy to have you with us on Sunday morning. MoneyWise is brought to you every Sunday morning by USA Wealth Group. You can find us at 352 Fonts Corner Road. You can call us at 508-998-8858, or you can even visit our website, usawealthgroup.com. But most importantly, thank you for listening. Today we're going to talk about how to protect your home, and this can apply to an apartment you might rent because you might need to protect yourself there as well. So first thing I'd like to do this morning is to say a good Sunday morning welcome to Attorney Tenney Lance. Good morning, Tenney. Good morning, everyone. And I feel like I have a frog this morning, or my voice is Your a little lower than is normal. very low. So maybe <laughs> Daddy sang bass. Daddy will sing bass today. I sing tenor. <laughs> well, you're getting closer to bass every, every year, I think, Tenny. But uh, anyway, thank you for being he- here with us. Um, we're going to talk about how to protect your home. We're going to talk about a number of very specific things. What are some of the types of tenancy for owning your house? Uh, How should you own title to your house? What's the difference between having your house in a trust or not having your house in a trust? What if you need to protect your house from a nursing home? And that's your number one concern. We'll talk about that a little bit. Should you give your house to your kids? We're going to talk something about homestead. What's a homestead? How much does it protect? How do you do a homestead? We're going to talk about that. And then some important tips and ideas for homeowner's insurance, umbrella policies. Should you have a tenant policy if you're renting? And by the way, the answer is yes. What about alarm and camera systems? And some ideas about why you might want to think about putting a home equity line in place on your house before you retire. And then finally, at the very end, we're going to talk a little bit today about reverse mortgages and why that's something that can be used actually to protect your house And then, of course, it wouldn't be Sunday morning if we didn't talk a little bit about taxes, right, Tenny? I know. You love it. Absolutely love taxes. Well, I'm going to give a tax tip. No, you don't like taxes. Well, nobody likes taxes. You love to avoid taxes. Well, I like to calculate what taxes are for people and estate taxes sometimes for people. But most importantly, what we like to do is to ask people to take some action. So, I'm going to start today by giving my tax tip, which sometimes I do at the end because I do think it's important. In fact, we have someone in our office who was married recently. So here's a tax tip. If you have changed your name in 2018, you need to make a report to the Social Security Administration, and you need to get a new Social Security card. Now, this is only if you're going to change your name, obviously. There's a special form to file from Social Security. It's called SS-5 form. You file it with the Social Security Administration because the name that you show on your tax return has to match what's showing on your Social Security card. So if you get married and you put your name down differently on a joint tax return, let's say, with your spouse, and it doesn't match up uh, with the name that's on your Social Security card, then you're going to have a delay in processing your tax refund. So it's the real simple solution to this. Uh, Get in touch with the Social Security Administration. Get this form SS-5. 
file it, showing you a new name change. And now the IRS, when you file your tax return, is going to match up against the name that's shown on your, your Social Security record. So they have to match. But if you get married and don't change your name, then you're you okay. Then you're okay. Yep. Right. It's also good later in case you decide to get divorced. True. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so that's my little tip for today in terms of making sure you're not going to have a delay in filing your income tax return. So, Tandy, we want to talk today about how to protect your home. And there's things that everybody thinks about. Well, I've got insurance, so I'm going to have a homestead. I'm going to do this. But let's start out by talking about the different kinds of tenancies. So one form of protecting your house is to have a right of survivorship. So my first question is, can you have a right of survivorship if you hold title with somebody else and maybe you're not married? You could have Yes, joint. the answer to that is yes. So you could have a joint tenancy, for example. Right. Tenancies are very difficult to keep straight, I think. Um, there are generally three of them. One is a joint tenant with the right of survivorship, and that's basically just what it says. Um, both or uh, the, the number of people owning a property have the right to survive anybody who has d- uh, died, mm-hmm. and therefore if you had three owners and one died, the other two would own the property, or if you have two owners and one dies, the one remaining would own the property. And that's different from tenants in common. So what does a tenancy in common do? Tenants in common means that if you have two people on a deed and one is deceased, then, uh, or let's do another example. If there are three people on a deed and one is deceased, the um, descendants or the heirs of that deceased person still have that one-third interest. So you don't have a right of survivorship between the other people named on the deed if you have a tenancy in common. Right. And it's real hard to get that all straight, and it's hard for people to understand. The only way I can remember it is that the longer name means that the survivor wins, joint tenants with the right of survivorship. Hmm. Okay, so let me give you another example. Let's say we had two brothers who inherited a house together, and they didn't set up any particular deed. They just inherited the title, let's say, from a parent. They would normally own that as tenants in common, correct? They each own a 50% undivided interest in the property. Yes, that's the assumption if there isn't a tenancy stated, yes. And so as you said, if one of those brothers should die, then his interest will pass to whoever his beneficiaries are, or his heirs, I should say. Right, and that that can make it very complicated because maybe his children uh, are no longer alive or maybe he didn't have children. Then you have to find out who's the closest heir, and that means probate and all kinds of complications. So I guess one of the things we should ask people to do is if you own real estate, let's say it's your house, you want to check your deed and see how you hold title. Now, if it's a married couple who hold title, uh, they might hold title as joint tenants, but they also might hold title as something called tenants by the entirety. That's right, and only married people can use that type of tenancy. It's almost as though um, there isn't any difference between them. They, They both own all of it. Okay, so 
With the tenancy by the entirety, though, if one spouse dies, then there's, there is a right of survivorship for the surviving spouse. That's correct. But my understanding is that when you have a tenancy by the entirety, which only a married couple can do, then um, there's a different kind of creditor protection also under the law, which is, um, let's say the husband and a tenancy by the entirety has a claim against him. Um, my understanding is that with a special tenancy by the entirety, only between husbands and wives or married couples, that uh, there's better cre- uh, creditor protection. And so if the husband has a judgment against him, they can't sell the house and force the wife out of the house. Right. And so when you have any married couple situation, a joint tenancy is terrific because it has a right of survivorship, but a tenancy by the entirety is better for a married couple. Yes. And again, all of these tenancies are really difficult to keep straight. Um, So if you have any questions, give us a call. We'd be happy to try to answer them for you. Our phone number is 508-998-8800. Now, I don't want to think that I'm um, flagging a dead horse here, or (laughs) flogging a dead horse, I guess is the word. But it seems to me that any married couple ought to go and take a look at their deed. And if it simply says husband and wife as joint tenants, for example, maybe they ought to have that deed changed so it will now read husband and wife as tenants by the entirety because it gives them a much better creditor protection. Yes, that would be a good thing to do. But while you're thinking about your deed, you may want to think about Um, other aspects of things that we're going to talk about next, like protecting the home. Okay. So, Well, uh, having the right kind of tenancy is important to, uh, first of all, protect your house if you are a married couple. And the other thing I'd like to mention is that we now have um, gender-neutral laws. We have same-sex marriage allowed in Massachusetts and most other states today it's allowed. And that means if you have a same-sex couple – um, and they're married, they should also be looking at a tenancy by the entirety and not just a simple joint tenancy. That's exactly right. So, ladies and gentlemen, take just a moment to take a look at your deed and see what kind of a tenancy you have. And if you have any questions about it, um, give Attorney Tenny Lance a call at 508-998-8800, and um, she'll be happy to review it for you. Now, Tenny, let's talk about a tenancy um, – which has a life estate deed. That's very complicated. Um, A life estate deed is one in which the grantor retains for himself or herself or both of them the right to live in a property for the remainder of their lives, but they give the remainder interest to somebody else. So the remainder man or remainder men actually own the vast majority of that property and have to be included if you ever want to sell it. Very complicated. And I know there's some variations on that, too, that we won't go into a lot of detail about today. Like you could have um, to myself for life remainder to somebody else as one way to structure it, or you can give the deed totally to somebody else, and you can reserve a life estate interest, which is another way to do it. Right. And 
what we tell people all the time is if they do have a life estate deed, to look at that deed and see if also what has been reserved is the right to sell, mortgage, or convey because that does not give you the protection for Medicaid that many people think that they have. Very complicated. It does get complicated. So when I think of a simple life estate deed, for example, uh, Tenney, and this is Attorney Tenney Lance, I think that, well, there's a couple different ways you can write it, but it's much more complicated than that because in some fashion, if you write it one way, you might get protection from a nursing home. If you write it another way, you might not get protection from a nursing home. Yes, that's right. And um, it always is interesting to me what happens if you go and you want to sell that house. You need, first of all, the remainder men's uh, agreement in that sale. They have to sign the deed. And lo and behold, they get the majority of the proceeds because you, when you signed that deed, you effectively gave away that component of the project's worth to the remainder men. So I bet there's a lot of people listening today who say, well, gee, I know I had a life estate deed set up, and I wonder if I have the right kind of a life estate deed. And one of the things you're saying is, I believe, Tenny, if I'm interpreting you correctly, if you have a life estate deed but you have reserved the right to sell, mortgage, and convey, then that's not protected from the nursing home? That's correct. Mass Health's interpretation of that is, well, if you've reserved that right, then go ahead and mortgage, sell, or convey your house and use those proceeds to take care of yourself in a nursing home. So we've been telling people for years to look at their deeds. Many of the deeds done in the 1990s did reserve that because the mass health policy was not clear at that point. Okay. But... Um, it's important that you look at things and you review your documents every few years just to see if something's changed with you or something has changed in the law. So the bottom line of all this discussion about life estate deeds, ladies and gentlemen, is that the laws have changed sometimes over the years. And if you think you have a house that's protected with your deed, your life estate deed, or the kind of tenancy that you've set up, but you're not quite sure, um, make an appointment and go see Attorney Tenny Lance or Attorney Michael Coleman and have that reviewed and make sure that it's been done correctly for you because things do change. So we've talked about tenancy types, Tenny. <laughs> yes. Attorney, <laughs> Attorney Tenny. Too, too many T's and E's. Yes, all right. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a quotation from Margaret Thatcher because we're talking about houses and homes today. Margaret Thatcher, former prime minister, of uh, the country of England. Great Britain. Great Britain, excuse me. Uh, there's a distinction, isn't there? There's a difference. <laughs> she said, Margaret Thatcher, any woman who understands the problem of running a home will be nearer to understanding the problems of running a country. Ah, uh, yes. And when you think we of all the babies elect. that are in Congress, you can understand what well, that's a true statement, can't you? We need to elect a woman president. I think that will happen some point in time. I sure hope so. Well, I think it's appropriate. But anyway, let's let's continue on. Um, Laura Wilder, Laura Ingalls, Ingalls Wilder, she wrote uh, Little Home on the Prairie, I think, didn't she? I think that's right. She once said, home is the nicest word there is. And it's oh, true. Oh, that's nice. It's a place of refuge. It's a place where we can go and relax and do yeah. all the, you know, 
be with our families and so forth. But today we're talking about protecting their home. So do you want to jump in and talk about homestead? Is that a good thing to talk about now? Sure. What's the Declaration of Homestead, first of all? Well, the Massachusetts legislature um, established this provision in mass law. And the provision is that everybody has the right of protection for some portion of the value of their house, of the equity that they have in that house. And what the legislation has been interpreted to say is that if you do nothing and you own a home, then you're going to get some amount of equity protection in that home if you're ever sued or if you ever go bankrupt or anything like that. But if you actually declare a homestead, you can double that protection. So the basic protection is only $125,000. All right, so there's an automatic homestead protection for anybody who has a home of $125,000. That's good to know. Yes, and that means that, heaven forbid, you run over someone and you get sued, or, heaven forbid, you have to go bankrupt, then the um, the person who is claiming against you or the government entity um, is not going to be able to um, recover that $125,000 base equity level. Or to put it another way, you've got $125,000 of equity that's protected if you get sued. Exactly. That's the easier way to think of it. Okay. So that's an automatic thing for anybody who has a home, but it has to be your principal residence, your primary residence, right? Right. And you can only have one homestead at a time. So if you own your home and you happen to own the property next door that you use for a rental property, that's not protected. The rental property would not be protected from uh, liability and lawsuits and so forth, right? That's correct. Okay. So it's your principal residence. It's automatic. Everybody listening today who has a home that you live in, it's your principal residence, you automatically by statute have a $125,000 worth protection um, as a homestead. But if you file this piece of paper called a declaration of homestead, then that doubles. Is that correct? Is that what you're saying? Yes. $250,000 then. Right. And that means when we say filing, it means uh, putting something on record at the registry of deeds in the county that your property is located. All right. And is that something you prepare and can help people record and everything? We absolutely do, but I want to tell you one more step in the process. Okay. That when you get to be 62, you have the right, as the legislature has said, to an elder homestead. Heaven knows why the legislature decided that at 62 you're an elder, but that's what they did. So, Wouldn't you like to be 62 again? (laughs) Yes, I would actually. (laughs) I don't care whether they call me elder, but... Uh, In any case, the legislature passed this, and what that does is if you declare an elder homestead, then you get $500,000 worth of equity protection in your home. So it's a really simple, easy thing to do. We say it's the cheapest form of insurance that you can get. So what you're saying is when you get older – and you can no longer have fun and enjoy the money, you can have a larger homestead exemption. What's wrong with 62? That's pretty young in yes. my mind. I think it's very young myself. 
But you have to actually declare that elder homestead, and you have to pay the $35 to the Registry of Deeds to get it recorded. So it's fairly inexpensive, but very important protection is what you're saying. Really cheap insurance, that's right. All right, so let's do a quick summary on the homestead. Uh, Number one, if you have a home and it's your primary residence, your principal residence, you have an automatic homestead protection of $125,000. But if you sign a homestead declaration and file this paper in the Registry of Deeds, you get $250,000. And then if you're over 62 or 62 and older, it can be a $500,000 exemption per person. Right, but I do want to stress that that is not a protection against everything. If you owe the government taxes... um, Particularly for Medicaid, it is not a protection. So, so it doesn't protect you against your mortgage, I assume, because you have to pay your mortgage. Right. Yeah, or, or things like child support payments, which would be relevant for younger folk. Or tax liens. Yep. How about nursing homes? Does it protect you against the nursing home? No, that's what I was saying. It does not. Okay. So um, let's say you have a homestead exemption on your house. And you want to sell your house. So you go and sell your house, um, and now you have money, but you haven't decided where you're going to live yet. This is, I think, a kind of a unique point. Can the proceeds from the sale of the house be protected that were previously protected under the homestead? Yes, for up to one year. So you want to, um, if you want to protect your funds, you want to reinvest in another property within one year of the sale of your former house. All right, so that's, that's really an important point. So m- let me just restate that if I, if I can. Uh, Attorney Tenny Lance uh, is talking about the homestead. If you have a homestead on your house and you sell your house, and let's say you have now $150,000 and you stick it in the bank, but you're planning to buy another house and put this money into it, in the meantime, you get sued. You hit somebody with your car and they file a claim against you. You're saying that that money you've got in the bank can be still protected under the homestead exemption as long as you use that money and go and buy another house within a year from the sale of yes, the other house. Yes, up to a year that money is protected or until the time that you buy a new house within that year. Okay. So that's a really important reason, another really important reason to do a homestead. So. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have a homestead on your house, do a homestead on your house. It's one of the cheapest forms of protection you can have. And today we are talking about how to protect your home. And we'd be happy to do that for you if you called Lance Law. So William Bennett once said, home is a shelter from storms, all sorts of storms. And Jane Austen, a famous English author, said, there is nothing like staying at home for real comfort. Home is- oh, that's true. She was a a good writer, Uh, and way back to the time of Pliny the Elder in Roman times, I believe, he said, home is where the heart is. Ah, yes. Um, So keep your heart at home, I suppose, is another thing we should say probably, huh? No, you keep your heart with you at all times. Well, I guess that's true. Well, um, we have a lot more to talk about with uh, how to protect your home. We've talked about the different types of tenancy, which is important, We talked about the homestead, which is important. What we haven't talked about yet is uh, homeowner's insurance or alarm systems or specifically using something called an 
irrevocable income-only trust if one of your major concerns is to protect your house from being claimed by a nursing home, right? That's right. We'll talk about that in some depth. But, well, that's a uh, bit more of a lengthier topic. Yes. I think we should mention the fact that you're doing a uh, Lunch and Learn program on, is it April 2, I believe is the date? Yes, April 2nd at noontime for about an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, we are going to be providing what's called a uh, refresher course on things that we have always done seminars on, which is... Um, estate planning, the kinds of documents that you all should have, what's the difference between a will and a trust and so forth. So we'll just review all that in a quick refresher course. So if somebody wishes to go to that lunch and learn, what should they do? Make a reservation? They should call our office at 508-998-8800. And, yes, please make a, a reservation so that we know that we have enough seats and then we have enough food because we do provide lunch on that day. And you'll learn something. Yep. All right, so, Teddy, we're going to come back in just a moment. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about protecting your home, which is our topic today, how to protect your home from a nursing home and what kinds of insurance should you have on your home and maybe a little bit even about a reverse mortgage and how that can be used to protect your home. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to MoneyWise, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to our topic today, which is how to protect your home. In the first segment of our show today, we talked about different kinds of tenancies, different types of tenancies, and why you need to check your deed for that. We're meeting this morning with Attorney Tenny Lance, and welcome back again, Tenny. I thank you. I'm glad to be here. And we've talked a lot about homestead, and there are two specific things from the first half an hour you should really think about. One, take a look at your deed and check your tenancy. And if you're not sure about it, if you have questions, give Attorney Tenny Lance a call at 508-998-8800. Or if you don't have a homestead, or maybe you did a homestead earlier, but now you've reached the age of 62 and you can double the amount and have an elderly homestead, again, give her a call. She'd be happy to talk to you about that and tell you some ideas about protecting your home. So, Tenny, I promised at the end of the first uh, half hour that we would talk about protecting your house from the nursing home, and that's really important for most people, isn't it? More and more people who are coming into our office have that as their greatest concern, yes. So I guess there's some things you could do. You could deed your house entirely over to children, let's say, but then there's a look-back period or five years, I believe, well, yes, there's a look-back period of five years for whatever you do to protect your house, but we always think that giving your house to your children outright is a really bad idea. So that's not necessarily the best way to protect your house is to give it to your children. That's right. Um, okay, why? There are all kinds of reasons why. Um, most importantly, if the child is um, sued or gets divorced or whatever, uh, your house could be at risk for that settlement or for that divorce decree. Um, there are tax reasons why you don't want to do that. There are, of course, reasons why um, uh, parents get in difficulty if the child says at some point, I'm tired of holding on to this house. I'm going to sell it. Well, do you have the right to live there or not? Can um, I give you a better example or a really good example that happened to me once? 
Um, at one point in time, I was uh, working in the Registry of Deeds for a few years, and um, a gentleman came in to meet with the then Register of Deeds and said, I transferred the title to my house to my kids, and my wife died, and now I have a new girlfriend, and the kids won't put the house back in my name again. I've asked them to. They won't do it. What can I do? And this is a true case, and it really happened. And basically, you have to think about those things. So don't be so quick necessarily to put your house in the name of your kids. No, there are no end of complications that occur when you change your deeds. So um, think them all through very carefully with expert advice before you make any of those changes. You know, I actually have a good quotation that deals with that. Robert Frost, one of my favorite poems. Would you like me to recite some Robert Frost poems, Denny? <laughs> of no. course I would. No, we won't do that today. <laughs> Robert Frost said, Home is the place where, when you have to go there, they have to take you in. But if you put the title in their name and they don't want to give it back to you, they don't necessarily have to do that, do they? Right. Or if you want to um, move to Florida, you've decided you've had it with the New England weather, uh, but you need the proceeds of your house and it belongs to your kids, you're really stuck. Hmm. Well, let's come back to the question of how can you protect your house from a nursing home if you're concerned about that? And I know a lot of people are. They say, I've worked all my life to pay off my mortgage and I don't want to lose my house and this is something I want to have my children inherit when I die. What can I do to protect my house? What do you say to them? Well, um, under certain conditions, a very important thing to do is to protect your house with an irrevocable income-only trust. Uh, That has become a more common thing to do in the last few years. Um, There are pluses and minuses about that type of trust, just as there are with most. But um, an irrevocable trust does protect after five years that uh, your house could not be either leaned or um, that you would have to sell it if you went into a nursing home. That's because what's called the five-year look-back period, right? The five-year look-back is part of it. The other part of it is that you are not the trustee of that trust. Therefore, you can't be forced because you're in the nursing home to sell the house or to pay off a lien that attaches to it. So you have to trust somebody that you've named as trustee of that irrevocable trust, number one. Like typically it might be a child, for example. But then let's say the parent says, well, you know what? Uh, It's been more than five years that my house has been in this trust. I really would like to sell it and have a smaller house, or maybe I'd like to sell it and move to Florida. Um, What has to happen at that point? The child can sell the house? Yes, the child as the trustee can sell the house and can use those proceeds to either buy you another house or to uh, buy you a condo in Florida or maybe if you want to go into assisted living and you need some more income, that money gets invested and then the proceeds or the income, I should say, of that investment becomes yours to help you pay for your living. So basically, if the house were sold, the money can stay inside the irrevocable trust. It can still be used to benefit the person who put the house into that trust in the first place. 
Or it could also be used to buy another house for that person, maybe a smaller house on one level or the house in Florida. Yes, correct. Um, but they do not have the right to the proceeds themselves after they set up this trust and deed their house into it. And that is a sticking point for some people. Well, it sounds like an interesting choice, though, that maybe some people should be taking a look at. I know that you do a fair amount of that kind of business, don't you? Yes, we do, and every case is different. So when people come in and want to talk to me about that, I look at things like how old they are, what their health is like, do they have a mortgage on their property. Mm -hmm. All those things come into play when you make a decision about how to protect your house. So I guess the bottom line of this little discussion on protecting your house from the nursing home is that you need to plan ahead of time, don't you? You can't wait until the last minute where somebody is really ill and you're thinking that maybe they're going to have to go into a nursing home in a year or two. It's almost too late at that point. You won't be able to protect as much. If you're a single person in particular, it is too late, yes. Um, If you're a married couple, there are some things that we can do, but it's always good to plan ahead and to make sure that you are um, protected with the right documents. So, Tani, can you mention again the little Lunch and Learn program that you're doing on, was it April 2? April 2nd. Um, I always love April because it really feels like daffodils and bunny rabbits and springtime and all that sort of thing. April 2nd bunny at, rabbits. at noontime, uh, from noon to about 1 or one thirty, and we will provide lunch for you. We love to have you come in, and we'll give you a little update on things that you may have forgotten about estate planning. Is that a Tuesday, April 2nd? Yes. Okay, what's important about that date? It's our daughter's birthday. Right, so you should always remember that date. <laughs> I do indeed. She a, celebrates for a month. A date of a, lo- a, a day of a lot of pain and a, a day of uh, important meaning as well. Yeah, I always wondered why it was the child's birthday and not the parents or yeah. the mother in particular. Well, you're you're absolutely right. Well, James Otis once said, a man's house is his castle. And Rosalind Carter, I always liked Rosalind Carter. She was the first lady married to Jimmy Carter. A very sharp lady. She said, there's nothing more important than a good, safe, secure home. And we're going to talk about some of those things in just a moment. So we won't talk further about irrevocable trust right now. But again, the quick reminder is that if you have interest in that topic, give a call to Attorney Tenny Lance or Attorney Michael Coleman at 508-998-8800 and make an appointment. Go and sit down and talk to them. If somebody wants to talk about that particular thing, is that a free consultation, Denny? Um, Generally, yes, um, if they go forward with an irrevocable trust. If people are coming in to look for other ways of protecting their assets, we do charge a fee for that because what we provide is advice and, and planning information. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. So let's talk a little bit about homeowners insurance. Um, We have some information on homeowners insurance. I'd like to mention that um, in the office, uh, the same office at 352 Fonts Corner Road is also the home of Lance Family Insurance Agency. And uh, Peter Lance runs that company. And he also does it with uh, Cheryl, uh, who does a phenomenal job. And Cheryl has been uh, doing work reviewing policies for people, and she's been doing quite an amazing job of uh, 
realizing savings for them, helping them save money on their homeowner's policy and their car insurance policies. It really is uh, incredible the amount of money she's been able to save people from a couple of hundred to, I think, more than $1,000 a year. So if you have uh, various kinds of liability policies that you want to have reviewed, she does that for free, and she'd be happy to have you come in. Just call for Lance Family Agency when you call. And remember that um, if you have a home, it's not necessarily a home that you own. It could also be an apartment that you rent. And everybody should have rental insurance, a renter's policy. It's, it's really critical. Um, people think that, well, why do I need this? Well, what if your apartment has a fire? What if your apartment has a flood? What if something happens to it and your property is destroyed? Um, all of your belongings are inside that house, and if they're damaged or destroyed, it can wipe you out totally. It's really not very expensive. The other thing you can do is you can um, cover yourself in case you have pets, and pets sometimes cause damage, don't they? We won't go into a lot of detail about that. We will not that. go into detail about that. But, yes, they certainly do. I mean, um, the least of which might be um, cats or dogs urinating on carpets if you're a renter or anything like that that you might be charged for. Well, uh, pets are an issue. Um, if you have a pet and you're a tenant in a landlord-tenant situation, um, most landlords today will require the tenant carry a tenant insurance policy. But you ought to do it for your own pr- protection because if your pet causes damage, whether biting somebody else or creating an accident, then if you don't have insurance, then you can be personally sued and personally liable. So take a look at that. These kinds of things are typically not covered by your car insurance. So uh, check out your homeowner's policy. Teddy, uh, do you know anything about uh, liability umbrella policies? Well, we always recommend that people, particularly with rental property, um, have an umbrella policy. So maybe you have a house, but you also own a two-family someplace else in the city. Um, We strongly suggest that you go to your insurance agent and talk about putting an umbrella policy over all of these properties. So the, the most important reason to have an umbrella policy is, yes, absolutely to protect your house, but to protect you from uh, liability. If you have a car accident in which you're responsible, you don't want to lose your house. So one of the ways you can protect it, as Tenny said, is have a liability umbrella policy. Usually it's like a $1 million liability umbrella policy, and it covers over and above what your homeowner's policy and your car insurance policies cover can also pay for uh, lawyer's fees and your legal defense. That can be pretty expensive. And the umbrella policy only kicks in when you have reached the underlying limits on your uh, particular homeowner's policy or renter's policy or condo or car policy. Um, It can cover you for things like libel and slander. We see a lot of that in the news today, don't we, Tenny? Oh, we don't want to go there. No, we don't want to go there. (laughs) But it's cheap, uh, typically for... Maybe $150 to $300 a year, you can buy a $1 million personal liability umbrella policy. What I think a lot of people don't think about is um, if you own a property that has a renter in it and something happens, um, 
it's likely that you may be sued and that your house could be in jeopardy. So uh, these umbrella policies are really important, particularly for people who have rental property. So I know, uh, I'm sure you do the same thing, Tony, but when I see people, I always recommend two very specific things if you own your own home. One, make absolutely sure you have a homestead. And And that it's up to date. Yep. And two, uh, make sure you have a liability umbrella rider. If you have those two things, then you should be able to sleep a lot better at night. Absolutely. Um, Um, As you said, the uh, Lance Family Agency has... um, been able to save a lot of people a lot of money so um, be sure and call and ask for cheryl and she'd be happy to help you yep so you've heard the old expression that rome wasn't built in a day Tony. <laughs> yes <laughs> okay so jane ace jane sherwood ace said home wasn't built in a day so just That's because you have true. a house doesn't necessarily mean that it's a home does it no but home is certainly Welcome. Home, home is a very important concept. It's a lovely place. Yep. So let's talk about alarm and camera systems. Um, today is an unusual time period. I suspect that it's going to get worse, but we have more and more house breaks, for example. Um, for fairly small amounts of money, you can have a camera system at your house. Um, we have one, and we have a camera system at the office, and it will hold recordings for as long as 30 days it gives me an instant alert on my cell phone the minute there's a motion or it also distinguishes between motion and a person and says person detected in the camera and it's both outside the home and inside the home and it really isn't a lot of money and the monitoring service itself is only about $30 a month I think to monitor that what happens if a Pet moves in your house. Then it usually says motion. It just says motion? It just says motion. So we know the cats are running around and are active. It doesn't say person. Uh-huh. So, so it does detect person. So Well, I always find <laughs> that I forget that that darn camera is running. And if I come downstairs in the morning with my nightgown on uh, and my hair all disrumpled, um, I forget. Well, Ray is likely at that point to speak up on the camera system and say, I see you. No, no, we won't tell personal <laughs> stories like that. But um, but you can tell if somebody's running around the house naked, for example. <laughs> um, sure cuts down on that. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it, as a matter of fact. But it's, it's not a bad thing to do. Uh, we have a system called Nest, N-E-S-T. Um, great system. You can actually buy it online or you can buy it from... Home Depot or Lowe's, um, you can buy the cameras right there. But tell stories about what you do with the poor cats. Oh, that's the fun part of having a home security system. So when, when the camera says motion detected and you see the cats walking through the living room, you can flip over to the speaker part of it, and I make a loud screeching noise and the cats go running out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> or you say, hello, baby, what are you doing? And they can't figure out where you are. So think Confuses of it as Confuses them no end perverted sense of uh, entertainment <laughs> for those who don't have a lot to do. <laughs> well, George Moore once said, a man travels the world over in search of what he needs and returns home to find it. Yes, true. Isn't that true? 
Well, we've talked about alarm and camera systems. They're really not that expensive. There are a lot of good alarm companies in the area. They'd be happy to give you quotations. Um, Comcast has an alarm service that they offer because you've already got Internet there. There are a lot of good options, and it's not expensive to protect yourself. Um, one little thing I tell people for protection, it's a little unusual form of protection. If you're thinking of retiring, you're getting close to retirement, while you're still working and you can show income, think about putting a home equity line on your house because even though you don't have to use the money right away, if you have a need, if you have an emergency, you have the ability to pull money out. I always thought that was a really good idea because, as you say, it doesn't cost you any money really to have the home equity line available well, it costs but, a little bit of money, but it's not as, as, yeah, as expensive as doing a regular mortgage. Right. And um, being able to have that emergency fund in place at a time when maybe you wouldn't qualify for it later if you didn't do it early on in your life. So, Well, that's it. When you go to apply for a traditional mortgage and you're retired, you may not qualify because you can't demonstrate the income to support the mortgage. Right. And the same thing can be true of a home equity line. So before you actually do retire, think about pulling out the home equity line and getting that in place. A couple of the things I want to cover. Um, here's another way you can protect your house and continue to live in your house. And we're doing this uh, a fair amount right now. You can do a reverse mortgage. And reverse mortgages are available for somebody who has uh, reached the age of at least 62 and you have equity in your house. And the amount of money you get depends upon what your actual age is, but it also depends upon the value of your house. Uh, the reverse mortgage must be a first mortgage on the house. So if you do have a present mortgage, that might be a reason to do a reverse mortgage because you can use the proceeds from the reverse mortgage to pay off your traditional mortgage. And now you don't have to make a mortgage payment any longer while you're retired. So there are lots of reasons to do this. Um, I think people have really bad uh, ideas or senses about reverse mortgages because they used to be very expensive to do and they had some pretty harsh terms sometimes. Um, but they have come a long way and we are really um, recommending to people who are older to look at that uh, approach because it can certainly help you with your monthly payment of your expenses. Sometimes it's a good idea to think about doing a reverse mortgage, not because you have a real need right now, but it's almost like having a line of credit on your house that when you need it, if you need it, it's there to help you. I used to say for most people, doing a reverse mortgage is sort of a case for last resort when you need money to live, you need retirement income, and that's really what retirement is all about. But more and more I'm saying to people, Think about doing this as a safety valve for you, a safety net, so that if suddenly you need to have money, you could pull it down. And guess what? You don't have to repay it. You don't have to make payments on a reverse mortgage. So if you, you like do information, have to repay it, but uh, well, it gets repaid when the house gets sold, right? Um, but I, you don't I have to make current mortgage payments, current monthly payments, right? And that's um, a point of confusion, I think, for some folk that. Reverse mortgages don't come due until after uh, you die or you and your spouse die. Right, and it has to be paid off within roughly one year. Right. 
Um, so the house typically will get sold when you're gone. But we've had a lot of good success stories. We've had people who couldn't afford to visit children on the West Coast, and the only reason they did a reverse mortgage is so that once a year they could pull down money from their home equity line of credit, reverse mortgage, and use the money for traveling. Yep. Um, the only thing you can't do with a reverse mortgage is you're not supposed to take the money and put it into some other form of investment. That's strictly taboo, strictly not allowed. So there are many ways you can protect your house. The type of tenancy you have, um, you can do an irrevocable trust if you're concerned about a nursing home. You should do a homestead. You should check your homeowner's policy and make sure you have proper coverage. We didn't have time today to talk about flood insurance, but that's something you should take a look at as well. Many of our houses in this area are, in fact, in flood zones. If you have questions about any of these things that were brought up today, please feel free to call our office. It's Lance Law, and our phone number is 508-998-8800. And I do want to remind folks that you can bring those questions to a Lunch and Learn event on April 2nd at noon in our office, and we'll give you lunch uh, as part of that as well. We're going to talk about um, refresher items with estate planning documents. Yep, so make a reservation if you'd like to do that. Most importantly, take time to take some action and to do something. If we were meeting here one year from today, what has to have happened in your life to have made a difference? Well, typically it's going to be that you did something to protect your family and do something. My last quotation for today is from Francis Clark. There wouldn't be a sky full of stars if we were all meant to wish on the same one. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Be safe and be well.